Andy, welcome to Wade In after a brilliant weekend's racing. I think you'll all agree where Absolute Tarn is definitely going to win the Gold Cup. Brave Man's game is better than Bob Ollinger over fences and sure is in life just absolutely wonderful. Uh, Kevin Blake, how are you, sir? Great, you. Great, you. Great to be back in position. I'm not in a car park this morning, which, no. is, which is, which is, you know, it's, it's nice and it's not nice. You know, I do love my craft, but uh, it's good to be back at my desk for, for can this I ask you? Can I ask you, Kevin, were you in the hairdressers this morning? Um, you have a bit of a perm going on there, if our listeners can see. Yeah, on you Zoom see, the there. issue I have, Hugh, is yeah. I'm still oh, adjusting yeah. to, I'm still adjusting to this, um, you know, being on camera thing. And I, I remembered this about five minutes before I had to come on. So it was kind of a little, yeah, yeah I've been wearing a hat around the yard all morning and I, yeah, I, I, not great. Not, not the T, not the TC has ever got that problem. But you, um, have you ever seen coming to America, Kev and uh, Daryl's Soul Glow? You know the drip that they use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing a bit of Soul Glow. What do you reckon, Vanessa? What do you reckon, Vanessa? Yeah, suit him down to the ground. Yeah, I, thought, yeah. I thought you were going to mention something about Mary. Isn't there a famous? Uh, isn't there a famous <laughs> yeah. there? Yeah. Yes. He was uh, Kevin was getting really pumped for this. That's. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> right. Nothing that absolute fail. Tony Calvin, Vanessa Royal, Kevin Blake uh, to talk us through the weekend uh, that was in racing. Loads of your questions as well to answer, which we're looking forward to doing. Um, right, can we can we get stuck in with the Blue Top? Before I get into it, we'll thank Ruby Walsh as well. I was uh, working with him in Avon yesterday and thank him for uh, Friday. He was on Racing Only Better with us. He gave us absolutely no winners and he was useless, so we won't be having him on again. <laughs> but thanks to the Horse's Mouth uh, Paddy Parrot podcast for providing him for that uh, temporary substitution. We will be returning in favour with Kevin going back there. Kev, um, I mean, if you have one winner or something close to a winner, you'll already be better than Ruby Walsh. So no pressure <laughs> on you whatsoever representing the team. But look, we'll start off with the weekend it was. Aplutard. Um, I love this horse. Loved him last year. I backed him for the Gold Cup. I deserted Manella in though, much to my absolute disgust about what happened. But it does look like Henry Bromhead has uh, the first two now in the betting, Kevin Blake, for the Cheltenham Gold Cup on the basis of what Aplutard did over the weekend. Yeah, and I think it's fair to say, Hugh, you know, Plutard has beaten the, the 163 rated Royal Pagai by 22 lengths. He's approaching Arkle territory now, basically. <laughs> um, I, I, I await the, the official handicapper's reaction and what number he can, he can pull out. Uh, reminiscent of Bristol de May, wasn't it, when he ran to the, the highest rating since Arkle uh, when winning this race a few years ago. But um, he was very, very good. Easy race to watch if you sided with him. Went off a shade of odds against uh, jumped, travelled, Rachel pulling out of him, uh, you know, coming down yeah. the three out and two out. And uh, when she she gave him an inch away, he went. Uh, very, very impressive. Um, we know the crack with him at this stage, um, you know, better left-handed. Henry will keep him left-handed and look to get back to the Gold Cup will be the big aim. Um, but let's not Let's not allow recency bias to impact us too much, Hugo, because I don't forget about the Cheltenham Gold Cup. It was only, whatever, um, eight months ago. And yeah. uh, Manila Indo, for me, uh, beat him with plenty to spare. Um, only beat him a length and a half, but for me, was idle doing it. Um, the race could have panned out better for Manila Indo. And watching that race, as, as an appraisal of their two uh, relative merits, I... I <coughs> would still feel that Manila and though is the better horse. Uh, they've had contrasting seasonal reappearances, but um, just don't forget about what we saw in March because that's a pretty critical piece of information if you're looking forward to next March. No, I wouldn't forget about it, but I mean, Tony, it is possible that a horse can improve from March to the end of November. That's a six-month time period. Uh, it is possible that Aplutard has just improved an awful lot. And I'm not I'm not being I'm trying to hype him up into something here that he isn't, but I just was very impressed with the manner in which he quickened away at the second last and then over the last as well at Haydock on Saturday. Yeah, well, he's, you know, he's a seven-year-old. That was only his 12th chase start. And obviously he was he was ultra impressive. You can pick holes in the form. You know, a lot of them underperformed. 
And we've got a good question about Walker Guy actually coming up. And uh, But, yeah, I mean, a, a strict strict weights and measures assessment of that form, you know, suggested that was an improved performance. And like I said, you know, a lot of the horses probably didn't run to their best on unseasonably good ground. But, you know, apparently the the time and, and the sectionals from the time bandits, you know, back up uh, back up what we saw visually. So, yeah, I look, it was always going to be massively cut, you know, should be as short as three to one. Mm. Possibly, yeah, but I, I get where Kev's coming from. Um, I think the, the thing you can talk it up is uh, quite a few of Henry's have been needing the run first time up, including Manero Indo. So maybe that's another a further positive. Yeah, it's a, it was a very very impressive performance, obviously. But you know, well, maybe we need to back it up. To, you, to your mind, uh, Vanessa, you know. The fact that, I guess, you know, Cheltenham versus Haydock is going to be a different proposition as well. Manelli and Doe, you know, I've stayed him up the hill the last time. Absolute tired. Is there a question mark? I don't think there is a stamina question mark there. But to your mind, does he deserve to be at the top of the Gold Cup betting tree at the moment? Uh, yeah, I think he probably does on what we saw on Saturday. Although I, I was really disappointed with how the race just like more than what Tony says about horses underperforming, like the whole race just fell apart. It was just a nothingness race in the end by my standards, uh, kind of down the back straight once Imperial Aura fell, obviously Bristol Demide just didn't put up any sort of show. And so by the time the horse crossed the line, loads of people kind of waxing lyrical and I kind of get it. We all tend to get overexcited these days but and I'm one of those people who can get overexcited about a performance but I was left a little bit like that was nice but the whole race just went like in my eyes puff in a cloud of smoke because I just think so many of them uh didn't just underperform just didn't show up at all on that sort of ground or due to other circumstances so I wasn't getting on the really overexcited bandwagon but like Kevin says we all just love this like recency bias thing don't yeah. we so bang and in, into the top of the betting he goes um I actually watched back his gold cup and similar thoughts to Kev I think you know the winner is probably idling I think the winner probably got an easier trip round than a Plutard and with uh, a couple of sort of parts of the race going a different way for a Plutard would he have been closer I just always think Manella Indo would have pulled out a bit more the 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 performance for a Plutard that always sticks in my mind was that close brothers handicap chase the way he went from the bottom of the hill to the top of the hill that day blew me away I know it was only a handicap but when I think of really good Charlton performances that's one that absolutely stands out for me um, but look, yeah, recency bias means he sits at the top of the betting, but I, I wasn't sort of absolutely uh, like waving around, celebrating, thinking we've seen a second article on Saturday. But I, I, I think the one thing is as well, Vanessa, like, you know, after tried seven to two, Manel and Doe six to one, there does seem to be a too much of a price differential here for Manel and Doe needing the run it down Royal the last time. Uh, for me, that's the one thing I, I would say in terms of the price. Now, there doesn't seem to be an awful lot of value with that Plutard if you just hold him up purely against Manella and Doe. Is that TC was something that you'd agree with? Well, I think I think what you've got to say is that Henry's really has got an, an iron grip on the gold cup at the moment, isn't he? You mentioned obviously Manella and Doe, but Envoy Alain is actually the third favourite on the exchange for the gold <laughs> cup. And if he and if Eclectoria wins the Labrooks Trophy off 152 <laughs> on Saturday, he'll have the first four in the bet. Ah, it's he, ridiculous. Yeah. Crazy. Really will. Crazy. Just run um, it down in Waterford, lad. Save yourself the trouble. Yeah. Run around Tremor. Be grand. Thanks, <laughs> um, Vanessa, you were you were actually in Cashel at the weekend, yeah? 
<laughs> Kevin's, Kevin's very disappointed he didn't actually call in for a cup of tea there I, I, I tried to tell him that you don't actually like him he didn't want to come near him but that's a, it's, it's not here nor there I know it's a touch awkward these days I have to sort of because yeah, I didn't want Kevin to know I was too close but no uh, I just didn't want to I knew Kevin had had a big week at the sales so I thought I was still there that was my problem yeah I, I think he's still there um, so I thought I'd keep out of his hair but yeah I mean, in, in the casual vicinity not graphing is it new in? new in I yeah that's to. it yeah literally yeah. like four minutes from the house here like yeah. I'm surprised you didn't see him when you parked your car, Vanessa. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I parked my car in a muddy field and watched a few yeah, dogs. Yeah, up yeah, yeah, he, he does those as well. <laughs> he does those as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, I had a very good time. I, I own a dog, a coursing dog, believe it or not. And uh, yeah, it was a good day out, but we went out in the second round and he's now uh, injured. So it's oh, a touch disappointing. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but yeah. Okay, good stuff. Well, hopefully the dinner was nice. But before we leave the Gold Cup picture, I'm, I'm doing a little bit of a jump here. Is Lost in Translation, because I know you loved this horse um, back in the day, where you know, oh. when he was fit and winning all around him and winning this race from last weekend. Is he now back as a serious contender for the Gold Cup, given his win at the weekend, given how the scissors spoke about him, the wind up seems to have worked. Um, are they going to drop him back in trip? Or how do you see his performance? Um, I don't know what they're going to do now, Hugh, but it was great to see him back because I, I really did buy into this fella now. Um, you know, um, I know he did. Yeah, I, I really liked him, and you couldn't not like him. No, you know, he had he seemed to have all the tools you want for a gold cup horse. He has the most wonderful jumping technique, you know, neat, efficient, intelligent, long, short, whatever you want, just absolutely deadly. And the wheels like he didn't just get kind of a blowout last year, like all the wheels fell off, like they were gone. He, he was just sitting there stationary <laughs> on the track with no wheels. Like yeah. He hardly raised a leg last season. And you say yeah. he's surely gone now. Um, but we've seen the Tizards are really roaring back, which is fantastic to see. And, and this was a lovely performance. You know, a trip. We know he was always classy and had plenty of pace and that. So I wouldn't be making too much about the trip, you know, being shorter than ideal, as, as some might. Um, but it was just great to see him back, finishing out his race strong. Um, you know, his jumping maybe wasn't as good as we've seen it in the past. He maybe got a little bit too low at times, but he was never in trouble. Uh, and it was just great to see. And it tees him up for a return to the top table. And um, they have a couple of options now, but it would be great to see him back in, in the likes of a King George or something like that. Yeah. Um, and he's just a horse I loved. And I hope that, you know, I think the next day will tell us more about how how much he has returned. He's clearly come a long way back, but I don't think we saw enough at the weekend to say he's back back. So I can't wait to see him back in deeper company and see exactly what's left um, under under the bonnet because um, he's a horse I, I am fond of and it's great to see him back. You're shaking your head, Tony Calvin. Why is um, that? Yeah, I, I think I think the jury's still out on him, isn't he? I mean, that race was set up perfect for him. You've got Dashwood Drasher and uh, Mr. Tommy Tucker going at it from the front. Lost in translation was 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 getting six pounds as well. So, from a form perspective and and, and a race perspective, I think you know it's like I said, he they couldn't have wished for a, a better a, you know a better setup. But that said, obviously it was a massive step forward from from what he was doing at the end of last year. And you go back and have a look at his Betfair Chase win in two thousand and nineteen, and he's and he's gone cup third. If they can if they can build on that performance at Ascot on Saturday, then yeah, they've got something to go to war with, haven't they? But yeah, I, I I'm. I'm a bit he, undersold at the moment. I mean, he's had that crap season at a really bad time in his career because he's going to be a 10-year-old for the Gold Cup, isn't he, now? He's, he's nine now. So 
you know, it just came at just the like bang on the wrong season. After that Gold Cup third, you thought, oh, you could give them a good run for their money next season. But it just all has gone wrong for him just at crucial time, I think, in his career. And I think I'm with Tony. I think it's a long way back for him now. Yeah, it is. It, nevertheless, we'd love to see him progress. And then, like, you know, maybe t- t- by the time we get to Cheltenham, whether it's the Ryan or the Gold Cup, that he'd be kind of in the frame as well. Uh, as many as possible, really. Um, right. I, I, let's open a discussion here about Bob Ollinger versus uh, Brave Man's Game because I saw Ooh. somebody asked a question for the weekend. If you wanted one of the two now, which would you take based on what we saw from the weekend? It's an interesting question. Uh, Vanessa, I'll let you pick it up if you don't mind. Based on um, the weekend, purely, um, it seems that people are saying Brave Man's Game looks a better jumper, but everything we know about Bob Ollinger in terms of speed and what he did over hurdles suggests that obviously if he can maybe get his jumping a little bit better, he has the potential to be a superstar. What's your reaction? Yeah, there's a lot of comparisons going on here. And I I mm. just see them as two completely different horses. Like, obviously, I'm well aware they ran in the same Cheltenham race last year and Bob Ollinger trounced Brave Man's Game. But just in terms of their profiles now going forward, they're just, in my mind, very different. Like, Brave Man's Game is a very accurate, confident jumper and lopes around on this loose rein. And for me, he's probably, you know, a bona fide gold cup horse going forward. And I know from right at the day, at the beginning, that was what they had in mind for him. And he shows that now that really sort of he doesn't race into the bridle too much he sort of lopes along there's sort of Harry Cobham's got this loose rein on him and he's got this you know very sort of staying chaser vibe about him whereas Bob Ollinger he's like bang into the bridle he's I think he's quite hard on the bridle the whole time he's clearly got loads of pace the two and a half miles I, I don't know about three and a quarter miles in a bit of time if that's going to be ideal for Bob Ollinger if there people are talking about him as a gold cup horse obviously he's a much shorter price for the marsh at Cheltenham them. Um, I just see them as two very different types now. And obviously everyone's comparing them, but I just don't think that they're that comparable anymore. I think people that people just are comparing them because we saw them in the same Cheltenham race back in March. But now I think they've gone like that in two sort of very different directions with very different profiles. Brave Man's Game, how can you not love the way he jumped around Haydock? But I know Tony's got interesting thoughts on that, which were very differing to me. I was with everyone else. I was very impressed with him, uh, Haydock at the weekend. And I know it's his second chase start, but for a big horse, the way he jumps, I don't think you could ask for much more from a horse uh, in terms of in his first season chasing and the, the shape he makes over a fence. Uh, I, I love that about him. And obviously coming from Paul Nichols, as he's been spinning around that outdoor school and he just knows how to put himself right. Whereas Bob, obviously, you know, he's a work in progress right now was my verdict from the weekend. But yeah, I just see them as very different types. I didn't answer your question. I got splinters in my ass for sitting on the fence. I'll take... <laughs> Uh, I'll take Brave Man's Game. Thanks very much. Really interesting. Okay, Kevin, for you, who do you take and why? <laughs> um, well, just on their performances at the weekend, you know, Brave Man's Game was a much better performance, you know, no doubt about that. I um, love the way Paul Nichols is campaigning this horse. Um, he's not being windy about it. He's and um, the two races he's run him in over fences have just been so interesting to watch. You know, yeah. taking on uh, second season chasers and you know good ones. I don't want. I almost said really good ones. Itchy Feet is a Grade One winner. Uh, was a Grade One winner last season. You know, Fusil Raffles is, is a very good horse without being a great horse. But just the fact, the willingness to throw a horse like that in to to races like that to start off over fences. You know, if if you suggested it to Tony Calvin's best friend Nicky Henderson, I'd ima- I can only imagine the reaction he'd give you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it, I, I gave a brilliant interview on Nick Locke yesterday I have to say I thought it was absolutely 
fantastic. I know Tony was uh, delighted to see him on there, but uh, anyway, we'll come back to that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I didn't watch. I didn't watch Nick yesterday for obvious reasons. Okay, right. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, um, it just shows, you know, because you, I, you know, I've wrote about this a little while ago. Well, for the last few years, I've been writing about it about novice chasers and. Um, the, the, you know, you'll get this very old fashioned thought that, oh, you know, good horses have to have a full novice chase season. You know, you couldn't possibly put them in against open class chasers. You know, it'd be odd, the inexperience, so it wouldn't work. And, you know, you've Paul there, like, like he does, in fairness, been really um, punchy with his campaigning. And he's put thrown this horse in there against horses with way more experience than him and um, getting the few pounds in weight for being a novice. And, he, and he's going and smashing them up. And that's what would happen if you put any of these top novice chasers in against, um, you know, the, the second string novice chasers from the previous season. They'd, they'd smash them up all day. Um, it's just most trainers wouldn't be brave enough and choose the easier option of, of sticking to novice company. Um, but I think it's great to see this pan out and because sometimes people need to see it happen before they believe it. And uh, Brave Man's game is just a particularly good jumper, isn't he? You'd love his, you'd love his style, as Vanessa says, his shape, his loads of scope, he's brave, yeah. he's clever. Um, uh, and he was very good at the weekend again. And look, again, doing it against uh, a pretty good horse. Um, albeit in receipt of weight. Bob Ollinger um, talked about it before in the podcast. I think there was an element of kind of auto praise and, and pre-written tweets here in the, in the reaction to this fella. Um, everyone's been excited to see him. Um, we, we've had a couple of false starts with him this season, but when you finally see him, everyone has already made up their mind that he's going to be a tip-top novice chaser, and he probably will be, but they've all their you know, nice little tweets written out before the horses even jumped off and get ready to press the button nice and quick so they can get those likes in about how wonderful he was how perfect he was how you know fluent he was etc and he was grand wasn't he um it didn't blow me away his technique didn't blow me away at times he was a bit he he uh, yeah people said the criticism was kevin he didn't arch his back properly on a couple of shows particularly on the last and he kind of let his legs kick out to the left which is a, yeah, a, bit, a bit great skewy. sign yeah yeah a little, little bit left he was perfectly grand you know it wasn't a soft touch of a race you know Bacardi is, is um is a good horse you know a very good horse without being a great horse clearly um and it was grand it was a perfectly good start you'd certainly want him to improve his technique in due course and um, we know from his novice hurdle campaign that he already is a, a top class horse um, but we'll just go through this exercise again of him going off long odds on against inferior opposition for the next few months, uh, wasting pretty much a season in his prime when he could be, you know, having interesting races against better horses. But uh, that's, you know, a conversation that we've had many times uh, based on the two performances over the weekend. I think Brave Man's game is certainly ahead of him at the minute. Um, scope for Bob Ollinger, for Bob Ollinger to improve. And, but I'll, I'll just be keeping a close eye on his technique going forward when he goes up in class. I just want to see him sharpen, be a little bit more fluid, a little bit more straight, yeah. um, and do things a little bit better. And I, I use this example as well over the weekend, TC, as well, that, you, you know, obviously it's interesting what happens when you have a hurdle horse who's so clearly above the rest of the field, take defences and then maybe drops the pecking order and is replaced by something else. And the uh, example I always use is footpad, you know, finished fourth in the Supreme and then he went out and smashed um, horses that were beating mm. him week in, week out as a novice chaser the following year, that Arkell year. Um, and, and sometimes it happens like that. And it, this could be that case for Brave Man's game. Well, obviously, he's, he's, the performance on Saturday uh, was great, um, I thought, up until the last 50 yards. Now, mm. what I like, what I loved about the performance is Itchy Feet uh, tried to put it up to him. Uh, I think the everyone just thought Brave Man's game, they're you know, going to get an easy lead, sit off him and then try and pounce late on. Everyone thought that would be the tactics on the likes of Itchy Feet and the rest. But 
Ichi feet, you know, they, you know, obviously had a pre-plan to try and get him at it jumping-wise, and they failed miserably. But I watched that race um, in the Ascot paddock with a couple of friends uh, and a trainer. I won't mention the trainer. And as soon as they went past the line, Brave Man's came, I turned around and said, he had nothing left there, did he? And um, all three of the people agreed. Um, and I, you go back and look at that race, I'm not sold he had a lot there. And, and, and people talking about maybe future Gold Cup horse, I think this. I think this horse's best performance will come sub three miles. I mean, he was obviously beaten, well beaten in the Sefton last year. Everyone says, "Oh, end of a long season, etc." But he's got a lot of he's got a lot of pace. This horse, and you know, he, all his best performances have been over two mile four, two mile five. Um, I, I, I don't think you'll see the best of him at three miles, and I, I think he's dare you say it, damn him with faint praise. I think he's a Ryanair horse of the future, isn't he? Rather than, rather than the gold cup horse. I'm just not sold how much he had left there. Um, I could be per- perfectly wrong. I, I listened to Paul after the race and, you know, he, you know, he thought he's, you know, he clearly thinks he's got a, a horse to go to war with. He may well have, but yeah. I think he's, I think it will be at less than three miles. I think, you know, he I, doesn't I, lack I, pace. I, I could see the two of these meeting again at Cheltenham. Yeah. Two just miles this season. Yeah. I, I could definitely see it panning out that way. So funny. It's like this is why we love the game, guys. Because I yeah. was the exact I'm just like the exact opposite. And Tony, it's interesting what you're saying. I just didn't look at the finish of that race in that way at all. And now I'm thinking, have I got this completely wrong? I just see Brave Man's game as a stayer. But anyway, yeah. Well, very we, just, we just don't know, do we? Don't know. No. But but my, my first impression was that I don't think he had a lot left. And it could be he's easing up, he had the waste one you know a long way out but you know again if you if you're a weights and measures kind of person you know he, he didn't put up anything that any any massively staggering performance of the absolute hard like there did he but uh, just the manner in which he jumps he travels um and you know uh, and put that race to bed just after the last suggests to me that I think two mile four is going to be his trip this season um yeah. they'll, they'll probably they'll probably make try him over three miles but um, I probably again you don't you don't know the betting you don't know the opposition so you can't say I'll be opposing over three miles. But um, no, I'd have my doubts about him being a stayer. Well, speaking of stayers, um, the stayers hurdle, a division we all love to talk about. Oh yes, Buzz um, is eight to one now for the stayers at Cheltenham um, from twelves after his win at the weekend. And you're looking around. I mean, I don't know. Was Paisley Park got in the game? Time Hill. I, you know, obviously it, it, the division is not getting any stronger. I know, Kevin, you, you're, we're not fans of it here and we'd be straight up like that. But Buzz, to give him his credit, did what he had to do. He did, yeah. Sure, look, and he, he'd be as interesting as there is hard a prospect as there is out there. Um, I, look, the obvious thing is going to be stamina. You know, will he stay? And it's probably going, well, you'd hope they test it maybe before they get there. They'll have opportunity to do so. Um, you just want to see him relax and give himself a chance. We know from what he did in the Cesare, which that there is plenty of stamina in there, but he'll just need to give himself a chance by relaxing. Um, and look, he's as interesting a prospect as there is there for the race, probably. And we've had a few misfires already this season um, in, in Paisley Park and in Time Hill. So... Yeah, buzz is the is the coming thing, um, but um, I'll my judgment will remain reserved on him until we see him over three miles because it's probably going. I I think he's probably going to be fine, but it will be a question mark until we see it. Okay, um, we did have Gordon Elliott yesterday, um, who had a, a pretty decent return at Navan. I took down the feature there, which is the Troy Town Chase, and a, a very good one from Run Wild Fred, who finally got over the line. Um, but I guess Hollow Games was was an interesting one. Um, TC, I this horse. 
Gordon was a pains to point out because everyone seemed to say, okay, is the Albert, is the Albert Bart at the plan for Hollow Games now? He said, no, he's not, he's not a slow horse. He's actually a quick horse and the softer ground over the shorter distance. So potentially could run in the Ballymore, which I'd love to see him do. I thought it was a reasonable enough performance. He did what he had to do. The pace of the race was very, very slow yesterday. A quicker mm. run on softer ground will bring out better from him. And I thought it was interesting that he said, no, 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 this is not a, it's not a guaranteed uh, Albert Bartler horse here. He's not, he's not slow. So, mm. and what was your thoughts? Um, I thought he, I thought he looked a, a stare all over. Uh, there was a was one of the two races I watched live yesterday, and there was a good side shot um, on racing TV going to going to two out. He looked in a, he, I thought he looked in a world of trouble there. Um, yeah. you know he was he was jumping, jumping saved him really, didn't it? Like he, he was he was massive odds on obviously before the race, even though he was a little bit weak just in the lead up. But um, I think he, from memory serves, he hit four point seven in running, and I, I think. That tailored with my uh, my view of the race. I thought he looked all, like you said. I looked in for looked bang in trouble, but he, you know, he really kind of like jumped uh, the last two really well. Looked all over a stare to me. Um, that was over two mile four, and um, yeah, I I think he's, he looked more of a three miler than a, than the two miler. He could well with keep him to two mile four, but mm. yeah, obviously, the, and the race was obviously um, yeah the other big talking point in the race. Obviously, Gordon had two in the race up until late on. Uh, we when we when we did racing only better on Friday we basically we said only one of his two were going to run I think Ginto was the other one wasn't it um, so bookmakers were and punters were in a bit limbo up until about quarter to twelve there so that's not ideal no. uh, everyone was just like I said everyone was anticipating one of the two coming out and like I said it's can anything be done there can anything be done there for punters did you know just, not just really out? I mean like I say but unfortunately you know yeah. punters and bookmakers just are, are on holder aren't they obviously. Yeah. People will be looking for a rule four angle, and uh, if you don't know what one of the two is going to come out, I mean, if I was a bookmaker, I'd just like, I'd probably just shut up shop until look, I, I, you get uh, word on the non-runners. It's not ideal, but maybe you know, Gordon's got two in the race. He's probably walked the course beforehand, and then he makes his decision at quarter to twelve. So mm. he's well within his rights to do so, but it's not ideal, is it? Clearly, yeah, it was actually quite a common thing a few years ago. Um, Jiggenstown were essentially kind of running their own reserve system for a while and um, they, they, like they, as in they declare a few and like one one of the big ones would nearly always come out they just leave it till as late as possible and then choose which one to run um, I don't know if like kind of the authorities kind of had to sit down with them and said look this is kind of gaming the system a little bit because they stopped doing it but uh, this was uh, the more the most obvious case of it for a while. Um, I, I was underwhelmed myself. Like this was, uh, we give plenty of grief to to graded races in the UK, so we better be, you know, fair here. Like this was an awful grade three, really. You know, it really was. You know, the 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 second and third are rated in the one twenties. Um, you know, the, the they're all in a heap at two out. The pace wasn't wasn't fantastic, obviously, and it was just an underwhelming performance. You'd like to see him, but once he mastered them, really go away. It was you know, lunar display was coming back at him at the line. Um, so uh, I like the horse, but this wasn't one that really set me alight now. Um, right. Um, Vanessa, did you is it true that you turned down a dinner in Bahrain for dinner in Cashel at the weekend or what 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 happened there? How did you not get on the Bahrain? <laughs> you're loving you're loving the uh the Cashel trip, aren't you? <laughs> I just went, and when you said it, I just went, Cashel, really? Right. Yeah, well, I, I can I can surprise you even more. Three weekends ago, I drove from Oxfordshire to um Listol. Oh wow, brilliant. Oh, good good that. <laughs> for the dog, for the dog oh, to go out in the first round. 
Oh, so just God. to clarify, I drove 14 hours oh, and nine God. seconds of action. Oh, I've God. never been more disappointed in my whole life. Oh. 14 hours for nine so, seconds. Sounds like a day for, sounds like a day for two cattle. <laughs> so, the, the racing blogger was gagged. Bad you didn't make dragon. it to Bahrain. He had well, a table for two books. A table for two. Yeah, no, I With didn't get on the I, I didn't get on the Bahrain trip and I traded Bahrain in for Cashel. But yeah. I'd, I'd have given I tried, I basically offered a liver to go to Bahrain and they still what? wouldn't have me so, don't, don't say that because the, the authorities over there will probably take it off you yeah. <laughs> so but anyway it looked like the, it looked like the ultimate gravy train there's every Tom, Dick and bloody Harry hanging yeah. out in the camera which sheik, which sheik do we have to praise Kevin to get on the Bahrain gravy train for God's sake just give us <laughs> the name you have to turn the other cheek more like <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah well done to Lord Glitters as well who won uh, the big race over there honestly it, the totally thing flew over my head Bahrain it, it was a great horse race here in fairness, yeah. a great yeah. horse race and a nice for a uh, nice for large glitters, obviously. But it, yeah. it was it was a very good horse race um, in in terms of a spectacle. So and we uh, dominated by old boys really. Yeah, uh, Fever over back and yeah. forth, but uh, it was the old boys that came to the fore and old glitters with a big old turn of foot off a strong pace. Yeah, it was good to watch. You're going to do wonders for my dating career, Kev. Nine seconds of pleasure with Hugh Cal. I tell you what, they have been the door to take me out now. Yeah, I was, I was waiting for Vanessa's line there. I'd rather be, I'd rather no. cash than Cal. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't as, have done that. As would I, right? Um, as we have, or, cash, or cash for Carl Hill. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, we've some breaking news um, that we just deal with now quickly before we get into the next part of the show. We do have loads of questions as well to get to, which we will get to all of them I promise uh, Robbie Dunn is going to face a disciplinary panel next week over the Briony Frost allegations um, Vanessa like since we haven't spoken to you about this um, we've covered it extensively over the last uh, few weeks so Robbie Dunn is now going to face an actual disciplinary panel on this it's a long time coming we can't preempt I guess what the panel is going to find here or indeed uh, what's going to happen at this uh, disciplinary uh, hearing but I guess it's progress at least that uh, Robbie Dunn is, is going to have to, to stand up and, and maybe answer some questions here yeah, no, absolutely. But like you said, it's about 18 months too late. I just, yeah. once again, we're, we're like shaking our heads as to why all this stuff in this day and age is taking this long. Of course, I understand that everything has to be heard, that everything has to, you know, all the evidence given, whatever. But like, really, like we're, it quite literally is, I think, 18 months too late, this disciplinary hearing. Uh, look, it's good. In a way, it's good that he's going to, you know, it is going to be heard because obviously at one stage, people were asking after the whole thing was leaked and people were asking for everything to be thrown out or whatever. That was all kind of a bit of rubbish anyway, in my eyes. And this, it was always going to reach this point. It was just a matter of when. Obviously, we'll know more after, I think it's next week. So be a lot more to discuss then. But look, I'm just all for getting to the end of these like ridiculous hearings oh, and stories okay. and cases you know let's just get to the finish line and whatever the result is let's have it and just move on because again just this lingering as we were talking about on last week's podcast you know when things just linger it just leaves this bad smell this bad taste in everyone's mouth at the moment with racing and uh, the sooner we can just move on and get this over the line the better in my eyes so this is a step in the right direction absolutely even if it is as i say a long long time coming there's been some activity and the last few days kevin about the uh, around the john warwick case in terms of visits to yards in ireland and uh, a potential for um uh, i guess some new information there we don't know when we're going to get it but at least there, there has been some activity is that the only thing we can say so far yeah look there has certainly been some follow-up uh, jessica harrington has kind of publicly confirmed that um that the department of agriculture and the ihrb were, were in her yard um you know it's 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 
sort of well known. They, they've been in a number of other big yards as well in the last week or so. So look, they couldn't be accused of not following up. Um, you know, what do they find? Time will reveal all. But um, you know, it's 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 there is an element of you know, if it's speaking entirely hypothetically, if there was something amiss in, in any yard in the country, uh, you know, rolling into them, whatever it is, two weeks after, um, you know. The, the John Warwick raid, if you want to call it that. It, um, yeah. yeah, it's not exactly allowing plenty of oh. time for, for houses yeah. to be got in order. Obviously, we're not going to go back down this route again, but just on the case of sort of follow-up to that, I did. do you guys see the article, the sort of follow-up article in the Irish field, I think it was, someone sent it to me. And again, just coming back to like the point we were talking about last week about sort of lies being said, obviously people are lying. And again, you know, John Warwick is quoted as saying that, uh, you know, what was found in his car was on its way to Kuwait, but it had come from the UK. And obviously that's con- contradictory to the reports that we were heard that, you know, the FBI informed Ireland that this concoctions were coming, was on their way to Ireland. So again, just like it's more muddling, it's more sort of dirt in the water. It's just ridiculous. But anyway... Yeah. We don't have yeah. we don't have too many Dublin to Kuwait direct flights over here. I don't, know, I don't remember too many straight Dublin to Kuwait. I think <laughs> no, you probably have to. Come um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And look, like like we said last week, the kind of the unfortunate thing is, is this this is going to take a long, long time to sort out yeah. until we get all the answers to the questions and cut through um, the speculation and stories and um, probably rubbish that's doing the rounds. Until we, it's going to take a long time for us to to for it all to be distilled down and for us to actually know what what went on here. And mm. who was involved and what happened, etc., and how serious it is. Well, the good the the good news, Kevin, is it looks like we're going to get to the end of the Robbie Dunn, Bryony Frost palaver before we get to the end of the John Warwick case, which was looking 50-50 at one stage. The length yeah. of time these things take. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Sure, and as we know, there's a whole bunch of cases. You know, both sides of the IRC that we really have been wanting to know. And to get to the you know for them to play out properly for for like literally a couple of years now, uh, it's just it is frustrating. We know, look, with with the the standard of of um you know with, with, with all these things involving solicitors now, you know the the BHA and the IHRB feel that they have to have everything watertight from a legal perspective if it's going to stand up, and you know they might not have the manpower that they that they like to to get down to these things quicker. But the length of time, like did I, did I see one the other day? There was um. Uh, oh, let me think. Um, Irish trainer had a stable inspection. I think with the body protector. Yeah, the body yeah. two years ago, yeah. and it only came up the other day. And it was like a two hundred euro fine for a lad riding out not having a body <laughs> protector. Like, yeah. really? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I know. Yeah. I'm sure they'll say, look, COVID slowed these things things down, backlogs, etc. But come on, you um, know. The Betfair Fighting Fifth is on this weekend. Obviously, race only better. We'll preview the whole weekend to come uh, from Friday. But uh, there's a daily double rewards when you bet ten or twenty pounds on multiples and get a ten pound free bet on Betfair across the week as well. So um, that's certainly definitely worth uh, keeping out uh, an eye on. So double daily rewards for the week. When you bet £20 on multiples, you get a £10 or euro free bet. Keep an eye out for that. TC, I know you were um, uh, straight away rushing out to back Ireland to win the Rugby World Cup in 2023 in the back of a fantastic November international series. But uh, you'll remember as a, as a rugby, with your rugby hat on, when Rob Howley, before we get to the rest of the questions, Rob Howley was uh, sent home 
from uh, the last Lions tour admitted allegations of, you know, he had improper bets on matches as in his position as assistant coach. And the issue of whether or not jockeys should be allowed to bet in certain circumstances arose um, over uh, the weekend, uh, following on from that uh, Finley Marsh case. Do you think the jockeys should be allowed to bet, TC? Is that a good idea or is it just a no-no in terms of, you know, the integrity of the sport? Just very quickly, does, does anybody here think jockeys don't bet? Uh, obviously... <laughs> Obviously, you know, once they retired, you know, we hear chapter and verse, don't we? I'd be in favour, the Finley Marsh case aside, I'd be in favour of letting jockeys bet, in, uh, bet on their own mounts in, in races. And I'd, I'd be in favour of them betting in uh, betting in races where they don't have an interest. Um, it would be, like I said, it'd be naive to think it doesn't go on now. Uh, I'm not saying it's widespread, but uh, even if they're not betting themselves, they're probably, they're probably putting into people who... who who, who do bet for a living or or whatever? So yeah, I I've been, I've been I, I wouldn't have any qualms about a jockey turn around and say yeah I, I bet my horse in this and I back that horse in that race uh, which I when I didn't have a ride in it against it. Um, it's obviously very messy, but yeah, I'd be in favour of I'd be in favour of a bit more openness about that and, and letting jockeys bet. Maybe don't allow them to lay their horses on the. Oh no 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 no, no, you <laughs> no! you can't be doing that. And, and, and obviously, if they had a bet in a, a, a in another horse in the, in a race they were in, they're affected. They'll be effectively laying their own horse, won't they? Um, yeah, it's the old age, old age, uh, age yeah. old. Uh, I, I I I think historically, um, I'm just I I think it's changed since, but jockeys were always allowed to bet um, in any race and on their own mount in a race in New Zealand. And I think they actually changed it. They had a system there by where it had to be kind of officially recorded if you had a bet, you know, so that the authorities knew what you were doing, but you were allowed to do it if you so wished. But I think they've changed it in more recent years. So Mm. it's not a it's not a ridiculous thought. But look, as Tony says, you'd have to be you'd have to be very, very naive to think that it doesn't happen. Yeah, Jackie's don't bet like strictly, strictly against the rules. But. You know, come on. I thought you were just about to say they bet on strictly. I was going to yeah. say, yeah, you definitely, <laughs> definitely strike them off their betting on boring crap. Yeah. <laughs> or, or I'm, a, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. I'm just, God, anyway, I'm not going to do that. I watched it for yeah. an hour last night. My God. Yeah, you know, you know that whole story. I mean, one of you might remember the name of the jockey, but, but an old school jockey, anyway. Um, his, his wife was asked, you know, oh, does, does, this was after he retired, you know, oh, does this. Does Johnny fancy anything today? And it's like, oh, oh no, no, Johnny hasn't had a bet since he stopped riding. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, brilliant, super. Right, on that note, we'll get to our listener questions. Thanks, as always, for sending them in. Uh, we do appreciate them. Um, Ed Johnson says, is a live televised and actively promoted Gallops Morning at Newbury a poor idea, which allows national <laughs> trainers further opportunity to actually sort of going racing? Can't think of such a con- concept in flat racing. I'm sure all you oh. lads enjoy the programme greatly. <laughs> I... I- I, I didn't. I go, didn't Tony, really, go. I know. I, I didn't really catch it because I was watching the uh, select committee on the cricketer last week, so I was only flicking back and forth. But I thought the last person imaginable that would be commentating and and actually just talking up this shite was Steve Mellish. Uh, he's gone down massively in my estimation. There's Rishi, Steve, there, Richard Hall's on commentary. And um, Sky Sports Racing had Luke Harvey there as well. And Gina Bryce. And And Gina Bryce. And I'm just thinking... We threw the kitchen sink at it. I couldn't get a... I I needed a swap. They're giving you the benefit of the doubt. Obviously, it's better than just a a fluff PR piece where trainers and jockeys go there and just giving a mic. But... Oh, right. Then they they went to the gallops and they were literally half speed over about five furlongs. 
and people were just trying to ascertain whether it worked one or not. And it was yeah. it was just an absolute farce. But I was at least expecting some hurdles or fences to be jumped. You, you did did you used to have one in Leopardstown or yeah, somewhere yeah, like that? Yeah, but at least they jumped some about five weeks before Cheltenham. Yeah. At least they had some bloody fences jumping yeah. there, didn't they? You oh, can you can God. and you had the horses running through rails and stuff, making it a bit interesting. They were literally is a complete. Bastard waste and, of time. And, and, and it, funny enough, on that Leopardstown one, do you know what happens now, TC? The trainers that? have got windy about it, so only a few turn up for that traditional post-racing schooling. And they, the Leopardstown allowed them to go in the next yeah. day and do it behind closed doors. Yeah, I remember. I remember being told about that, being like, "Well, it just they just tip up the next day." Like, but, but, but isn't isn't that isn't this just so indicative of how ridiculous national racing is yeah. now that yeah. race courses at various other interested groups could promote this event as if it was something to be excited about. Like, how how far have we uh, fallen? Uh, it is honestly mind-blowing. Like, yeah, but, but this is just it, is it's done just uh, the job because it's just one big uh, PR vehicle and here we are talking about it. Oh, I know. So you're yeah, laughing they, at them and we're laughing at the gallops, but, like, it's worked a treat. They've thrown yeah, but, a load of money at it. You've got some horses trotting around in a circle and we're still talking about it four or five Five days later, yeah, but it's, right. it's, it's, yeah, the PR vehicles backing up over a cliff. It's absolutely <laughs> farcical. Yeah. But like people, oh. you know, they had everyone there. Everyone's oh. tweeting about it. Everyone's Instagramming about it. It's all over our channel. It's all over the other channel. They in their heads are sat around their board table at Newbury thinking, eating their custard creams, thinking this has gone really well. I'll have an Instagram and, account and I'll give them the truth if they want. <laughs> and they'll do it. And like, oh. I, I kind of think if we just took it for what it is, which is a trip trot around the field, yeah. if people want to buy into it, buy into it. Like yeah. I couldn't, I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't sit at home and watch that, but like some people yeah. might, but I, I don't, I'm not as offended by it as you are, Tony, but at the same time, no, no. I think like we give it way I, too much time. No, like, like I said, I, 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 flick, I was only flicking back and forth, but I just found it just comical. Yeah. Okay. It's so All right. Silly. It's so silly. We'll move on. Uh, John Heiser says, is betting becoming uh, too toxic, for want of a better phrase, for racing and what can be done about it? Is it becoming too toxic? It's a quite a sweeping um, accusation. Yeah, there. I do. John, I need a better phrase from you, I'm afraid, because yeah. toxic. I don't, I don't know if you do. Polit- like politically and everything else, betting is quite toxic. You yeah. know, the public consciousness. Um, because well, only for some people, Kev. Only for some. Oh, of course, people. only for some people. But you know, it's the the, the majority seem to dictate the narrative we, now. We have these things, don't they? We have regressed massively from the time of uh, John McCurick and Tanya giving chapter and verse on betting, ringing firms up. You know, really, really getting stuck into the minutiae of it. You know, the market movers. I mean, McCreep used to ring up all the trading firms uh, before before the morning line, and you know, and really get some in depth detail. Now, in ITV, I'm not saying uh, racing TV and Sky Sports Racing are, are any better, better or any worse, but ITV don't put as much credence to, towards betting the, than than they used to, than Channel Four used to. That's for sure. And and I think because of the the climate we're in with betting, and um, yeah, you know, I, I think toxic might well be. Uh, Probably a little bit strong, but not overly so. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I think the industry has an awful lot of work to to undo some of the wrongs of the last, you know, twenty years or so, and the way the way it's gone. And look, it's happening, and we're we're seeing it playing out. Um, you know, in, in exaggerated fashion, and in some cases, you know, with affordability checks and everything else. We all know the the. 
the, the thought behind them and, and why they're considered important. But, you know, there are kind of wider concerns there in terms of that they might go too far, etc. Um, but look, the, the, the sad reality that we have, we have, it, it's, it's, I suppose it's common ground with racing in that the betting world and the racing world, they're very easy, th- they're very easy wins for politicians and, and for some members of the public to have a crack at because there's, you know, bookmakers are always going to be unpopular. And, you know, in, in terms of the broadest context we can think of, racing is probably always going to be unpopular because it's seen as a, a rich man's game, etc. you know, animals involved. You know, we, we, we have challenges, betting the betting world and the racing world in terms of the, the, the PR battle that we're fighting on an ongoing basis. Yeah. It's probably going to get more difficult as we well, go. I wouldn't blame you for being paranoid, Kev. I mean, the politicians going after betting and then weirdos sitting in car, car parks in the middle of the day. Your life is basically <laughs> over if the politicians get their hands on it. You know I mean? <laughs> right. Um, Pat Harkin says, um, um, an Irish guy I follow asked a very interesting question. If a Plutar hadn't run, how high a rating would Royal Bagai have received? And following on which race at the festival would he now be? Famous? This is this is a brilliant question because obviously, <laughs> obviously he would have beaten a hundred and fifty rated Chatham Street lad by twenty two lengths off level. So yeah, we'll be talking about uh, you know Corto Star Bristol to my mark too, won't we? But uh, yeah, it's a really good it's a really really good point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jamie Leary says, slightly left field won this, but Golden 60 won in Hong Kong again, taking his record to 18 wins and 19 runs. Is this an achievement or is Hong Kong racing no good? I remember Winks and Black Caviar getting column inches when going on long winning runs. Is Aussie racing so much better? Is Hong Kong racing any good, Kev? Um, I, yeah, I'll give, you, I'll give you some numbers here because I, I've done various stats in this over the years. So you, what you have to understand about Hong Kong is it's a teeny tiny um, racing industry. They race twice a week. Um, but the numbers I have are only up to date to 2016. But to give you an example, right, in 2016, individual runners in Australia, 35,500. Uh, UK, 11,000. Ireland, 3,150. Hong mm-hmm. Kong, 1,275. It's teeny tiny, um, but it's very distilled. You know, like, as we know, we, we always hear about horses, promising young horses being bought to go to Hong Kong. So their standard is actually quite high. They only run 12 group ones every year. Um, and like they, they regularly, horses trained in Hong Kong will regularly feature um, at the end of the year in the, in the, the world's best race horse rankings. Um, one of the years I have here, 2015, and um, they had 520 plus horses, the exact same as Australia, funny enough, oh. <laughs> despite, despite Australia having 35 times the number of runners um, so look what Golden 60 is, do, is doing down there is very commendable it, it's, it's world class um, certainly in my view um, and, and I wouldn't like to knock it too much and okay. I, I don't know if you saw the race you or if many of our listeners no. saw the race it's worth chasing up they crawled around and he had an awful lot of work to do and he's a proper horse and you'd love to see him um, outside of Hong Kong um, and we, we've seen in the past horses trained in Hong Kong have travelled up to the likes of Royal Ascot and that so um, it's something you'd love to see will we get to see it I don't know but um, yeah it'd be something I'd love to see because I think he would lay into uh, the best horses anywhere in the world in my view Super Okay Joe Larkin says I've been wondering Aiden O'Brien's horse Bolshoi Ballet had four consecutive races in the US this summer would he have stayed over there that whole time and if so where can he still be classed as being trained by Aiden O'Brien if he's staying elsewhere for so long and being directly trained by someone else um, I presume maybe I'm miles off, but how does that situation work? That's an interesting one, Joe. Yeah, he, he'd come over and back every time. 
What you? Um, okay. in, in that situation, he'd come over and back every time. The quarantine um, in the US is, is very short compared to some other jurisdictions, um, such as Australia, where it kind of necessitates that you know you do you do um, quarantine at home, then you do quarantine down there, and it, you have to stay there basically. Um, if yeah. you want to run it in top races down it's there, a good, it's a good question, isn't it? Yeah. Because obviously you have to rely on your staff. Yeah. I mean, I always think about a day William Haggis, presume, uh, you know, when he was winning the group runs in Australia last year, and you know William couldn't travel, so you know he's clearly relying on his staff over there and whatever. So yeah, and, and staying down there. So yeah, it's a it's a good question. It's, it's something that I've often thought about. Be, be honest with you, I mean the assistants that go out there with them, they're effectively. Uh, they're effectively the trainer in those instances. Yeah, and sure, look, in this day and age, you, you can do so much remotely. You know, I know it with, with Joseph's horses down in Australia, you know, everything is recorded and relayed up. And, um, you know, and this is the thing that people, I suppose, underestimate when you're traveling horses, sending horses on trips like that. You know, you have to send, like, your very best people down there with those horses so they're not at home for a long time, you know. So it's a big commitment um to to, yeah. to to pull these things off you can't send down to some lad that's going to hang off them for for four weeks you know you need to send down top people and if they're down there they're not at home so um these are some of the challenges of of going on those adventures to try and win those races and, yeah. uh, i suppose yeah. but um they're, they're, yeah it's not straightforward okay good stuff shane says bob ollinger i have to say i wasn't too impressed visually he reached out a few times it's a bit sketchy brave man's game on the other hand has outstanding scope. I was very impressive again. I think I'd rather have Braves Man game at this stage. Well, I think we just dealt with that, Shane. And yeah, that seems to be the panel consensus that over fences right now, Brave Man's game would appear to have the edge jumps-wise. Alex says, genius as he is, does Nicky Henderson's rationale of liking his horses to school, gallop on grass, really count anymore or seem a little rigid in his methods uh, as you've other trainers who are plenty capable of getting horses ready on other services? We, yeah. we, we have to be a bit punchy here, so uh, don't let Kev answer this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I've been lucky enough to be down at Nikki's for various schooling mornings, filming, whatever, and being down there. And I thought it was an interesting question. I know he always bangs on about getting them onto the grass to work. I've been to a hundred different racing yards and there's a hundred different ways to train a racehorse, skin a cat, get them fit, whatever you want to call it. And Nicky has his way. He's very good at it. And he has a sort of, it's not that he's rigid in his methods because I think he has actually moved with the times, but you know, he puts a lot of, uh, he thinks that working them on the grass brings them on a huge amount and the way he trains them is they need those grass days to have a proper gallop the gallop they have is literally the grass gallop is like a heaven sent grass gallop and he uh, yeah puts a lot on those days and so if there's no rain and he can't get them on the grass that's the way he trains them uh, of course he could get them fit if he didn't have the grass for some reason he's uh, one of the best trainers around but it just it's not that he's rigid in his methods it's the way he gets them fit and it's worked for a long time for him so yeah he just relies on those grass gallop days that he's always banging on about there you go good answer and hopefully that um satisfies your question alex jamie mcintyre says i go to cheltenham every year until last week i had no idea that a percentage of my money goes to the county or the country alliance as someone who despises hunting i'm disappointed by this thoughts on this and um, if it should be made more public and indeed if many folk would be willing to support it um it's a hard one for me to answer, really, because I have no um, understanding of the, the hunting industry over there. Obviously, I know that it goes ahead. I mean, Vanessa, do you want to take this one? I don't well, know. I, I thought it was, a, you know, again, another good question. Well done, Tony. We've got good questions this week. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if you're buying a ticket, you're buying a ticket. If you buy a loaf of bread at the shop and the man behind the till goes and spends it on his coke habit, it's none of your business. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, a little bit like, what well, I don't know, I wasn't that shocked that they give a percentage of ticket money to... That's... My, my, my baker actually doesn't have a coke 
cocaine problem, by the way. Like, <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, just, <laughs> he's uh, a perfectly good guy. Okay, no, that, have you got have you got jockey serving on your grocery store? Stop, <laughs> he's, stop. The ten, he's the tennis baker in the world. <laughs> uh, so, so I kind of thought always with a smile on his face. <laughs> what they do with their ticket money, I guess, is up to them. But I also get Jamie's point that if he really is against hunting and he doesn't like the fact they give money to the Countryside Alliance, uh, I I don't know. I, it's kind of I'm split on that one it's uh now you know yeah. about it should people know that that's where they're giving some of their money to it's probably there for you to see on the website do a bit of digging around and if you're that offended by it watch Cheltenham at home okay AJS says every year it seems um to be getting more and more ridiculous the way Bucky's prize Andy posed for Cheltenham uh, seeing near enough every race have a four to one favorite or less for races mm. still four months away is madness surely and would do nothing to encourage Lower level punters into a bet. AGS, I totally agree with this. TC, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, the price, the price mapping for for Cheltenham four months yeah. out is a joke at this stage. Look, I, I look, I know we've got to be quick here because we've got a load of questions lined up. We've got to be punchy with the one eyes. But the, the 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 best thing I can say to to the questioner is one thing the punter's got going for it. You decide when you have a bet. Bookmakers price up loads of races. If you're not happy with the price, just don't have a bet. And um, that is that is the best advice you probably you get out of any yeah. of these all these uh, all these master classes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, wait, wait until we go up to five days, Hugh, and every race will have an odds on favorite come September <laughs> and October. Oh yes, he'd love it. He'd love yeah. it. He'd get it, more rackers for him. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, more reverse forecast at four to six and five to four. Right. Uh, racing tips and guineas tips. Uh, waiting patiently. How patiently can these people <laughs> wait on a horse who quite clearly should have been retired two plus years ago? Get him retired. Do the right thing by the horse. Is, is that fair? Is waiting patiently? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Look, they've they've given him another go by sending him to another trainer. I saw I saw him in training um, up with Ruth Jefferson, yeah. and look, he's all, I think he's probably got a hole in him somewhere. He doesn't look like he wants to do it anymore. But they're giving yeah. him one last roll of the dice, and he was top class. So why not one time? Look, you know? I think they're checking him out. So yeah. watch this space. Okay. Is anyone? This is from uh, Keith E. Babes. Says any? Is anyone at BHA in charge of the day's races? Early on Saturday, races were finishing. Uh, on one channel, switching channel to find the next race is three or four fences in. A tight time scale is not helped by seemingly pointless milling around and tardy loading at Lingfield happened six or seven times. What I guess a it's a wonderful hard for- viewing experience for the customer, isn't it? Wonderful. Yeah. It's 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 an absolute mess. And there's a story in the front page of the racing post today saying give race courses more power. <laughs> Jesus uh, Christ. No, 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 no. no. Uh, Brad Maxley says thoughts on TV feed uh, being more informative, perhaps include Furlong split times, jumps remaining, tracking or standings with colours and numbers similar to the US racing, or a map of uh, the place on the track. I think that there's an opportunity to provide more detail to the viewer outside comms. Yeah, I guess that's yeah. it. It's up to yeah, the television yeah, feed directly, yeah? Yeah, they do. And, you know, we see some of that already. You see it in ITV with the jumps remaining. I, you know, I, I like that. I find that quite useful because sometimes it's hard to get your bearings um, on certain tracks. You know, I'd love, to, I'd love it to flash up on the screen that you're coming up to an open ditch, you know, things like that. I think all yeah. these things can... Can, can only be good and there's, there's a lot of technology involved and in some of those things that are suggested you need tracking chips etc which um, you know have been in place in many places around the world for decades um, but we you know we're, we're not yeah. we're, we're not too good at sorting these been... things out in the UK or Ireland it seems um, in, in every case but we're, we're getting there and I think it would be a positive contribution 
Yeah, I've been banging on for a while that we we broadcast racing basically in a very similar format to the way we broadcast racing literally 30 years ago. Mm. I find that pretty bloody depressing. And I work in the industry. I think there's a whole host of stuff we could be doing. But as always with horse racing, we are literally 30 years. And just just come back to the betting point, we've actually we've actually aggressed on the betting coverage as well. So that's another thing that really grinds my gears. We haven't even we've not we've not even gone forward, we've gone backwards there. Yeah, the wheels turn slowly in the world of horse racing. Dave Brown says, what a shambolic situation with Cass Cove at Ascot. Ascot packed due to free entry on Friday. Come racing, they say, and see you lose your money without seeing your horse run. This mm. needs to be addressed. Horse showing reluctant to start should be given three chances. If they ain't cooperating, they should be automatically withdrawn. Um, mm. This can't go on for punters. It's shambolic. Yeah, it does seem very harsh that a horse that didn't run a race was due to... But look, it's that that was I, I saw that I'll quickly take this. I mean, they they had four goes at that. Um, Cascova, I think, was just was was gonna was gonna set off, but the starters uh, tape didn't work. Um, it was it was an absolute mess. But if you de- if you don't if you declare that horse a non-runner, then there's a massive rule four, and you take away from from the punters who back the winner. But it's a, it's a far from ideal situation, and and Friday's was. Just a, a farce from start yeah. to finish. Okay, I don't know how you, you get uh, everyone to, to, to be equal on that one. The Inside Rail says, I see under the heading of some bumpers in England, category one elimination. Can you explain what that means? Anybody know what that means? I don't. Yeah, it's really, really tedious and it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but if you had to find out, I, I did look up the rule. It's to do with um, the, the order in which runners in those bumpers are balloted out. Um, and oh. it's slightly different in different categories. But you, you would have seen standard um, bumpers being called standard and intermediate back in the day. These terms just replace those. If you want to read it, lads, Google it. You'll find it there at the BHA website under uh, Section 7 Race Administration Code. It's exceptionally tedious. Uh, it won't change your life. It won't apply to your life in any way, shape, or form unless you're a trainer. So wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> Colm says, anyone know where the whereabouts of Annie Powers first foal? I think it was by Galileo. This horse must be three or so now. Yeah, I text, I text Joe Chambers, um, owned by Coolmore and Susanna Ritchie. Uh, two turning three is in pre-training now. So Fantastic. Uh, hopefully be out in the next year or so. Excellent. David Dunn says, any word on Paul Tennant's injury return? Actually, David, on this, I, I asked Ruby on this yesterday and it's just very, very slow is what I could ascertain for Ruby. His recovery is very slow. It's taken longer than they thought. Kev, have you any more inside tracking that? No, no more than that. Uh, that's no that's, that's just that. very slow. And look, Dave, that's that's all you can say. And with the with someone's medical treatment like that as well, you just you got to keep it. Uh, I guess uh, as private as they want to keep it. But hopefully, Paul is back in the saddle um, very soon. Dave Bradshaw says, "Hey, Dave, um, is there any more info on whether the reports of a private eye are true, and if he or she was indeed hired from the UK, and if so, um, who the hell was behind it? Has anyone asked any Could, likely suspects to confirm or deny involvement? For example, I cannot believe." This what didn't get followed up the very next day on the Sunday and the Monday. It's, it's, it's the most bizarre and outrageous claim I, I've read in all of this. Yeah, Tony, I, mean, I, can't, Tony, I can't believe that uh, our trade paper wanted to give uh, way more column inches to the fact there might be a Netflix series than uh, one of the yeah. biggest potential, potentially one of the biggest racing scandals in recent times. At the, time. at the, at the very like, least, <laughs> uh, sorry, uh, at the very least, you asked the National Trainers Federation to have any of that. Do you aware of any of your it's, it's yeah, it's it's explosives if you get, and it's just as far as I can see, it's been totally ignored. It's absolutely bizarre. Okay, um, Envoy wants to know, you know, it's crazy that they, they, they're they not going to give Envoy the chance to run over three miles, but um, 
Well, he could well do. And look, we'll just have to wait and see, I guess, with that question and, and see. Maybe he might send him to the King George. We, we don't know. Uh, Monkey Maelstrom says, uh, Huntington Saturday, race is okay, but tired facilities, outside lose, bar and two tents and one tiny indoor space. Again, this is about racing uh, facilities that we've kind of dealt with as well. And look, Huntington, I don't know. I haven't been recently. It's, it's, just, it's, it's, it's difficult. It's up to each race course, I guess. But it's disappointing if you're not happy with it after going in. Um, Rich Evans says, is there anything that National Hunt Racing can do to get away from every race being at Cheltenham Prep or has that trip well and truly sailed? Well, I guess, look, after the race is won, automatically our eyes just turn to Cheltenham and what race the horse is most likely to go for. And I think it's part of the fun. I don't think this is mm. something that's a negative. I don't understand why Cheltenham is viewed as a negative. Absolutely enjoy the race for what it is, for the success that the horse has. But then half the fun is saying, right, for Cheltenham, which is the Mecca, where is this horse potentially going to go? I think that's half the fun for me. I don't know uh, if people disagree on that. Uh, Sean McClanahan says, um, why is quality racing so poor in Britain on a Sunday compared to Ireland when it's prime time for attracting TV audience or race course crowds? Uh, yeah, I would British imagine. British race courses don't seem to want to race on Sundays. And, and also, the culture over here is, is set, um, I was at Ascot on Saturday and there was uh, drinking was the number one option. Uh, yeah. And obviously, if you're doing that on a Sunday, you've got to work Monday. You're less likely to go on the slash on the on the Sunday, yeah. are you? Well, speak for yourself. Also, Irish are much better than that. <laughs> uh, doesn't matter what day of the week it is over here, lads. Every day is a drinking day. Right. Ben King says, surely the silly field size of Cheltenham Paddy Power meeting have paid to the ludicrous notion that there could be a fifth day at the Cheltenham Festival. <laughs> yeah. If they bring in a fifth day at Cheltenham Festival, I will not watch it. I'm telling you that now. Not watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I will not watch it in protest. Protest. Uh, yeah, you last year there was a record number of odds on favourites at the four day Cheltenham Festival. If they bring in a fifth day, you'll be uh, in heaven. You'll be uh, able to do uh, ten, tenfold accumulators uh, and odds on fast at yeah. Cheltenham. Literally. Ben, ben, it'd be great for my great for my wallet, and uh, but not for not for the spectrum it is. David says, Does the jockey club no longer fulfill its charter and uh, money for countryside alliance? Yeah, I think we dealt with this today. The destruction of the national hunt at Kempton has seemed to be high up on the list. Uh Kempton again has no runners on Monday. Uh, we might come back to that, Dave, again, but we did touch briefly on it, I guess, with relation to the countryside lines. And um, Paul says, is racing's claim to fame is that it looks the other way on virtually everything he's up to? Uh, that's a bit harsh, Paul. Maybe it takes longer. No, it's not. It's entirely accurate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and last two then. Uh, Phil L says, when tackling the John Warwick case, do any other listeners picture TC as Ted Hastings from the line of duty <laughs> on the quiet quest for justice? The prospect of Kev being bent, the bent inside man with a whole <laughs> that's exactly Phil, what we all picture as well. And John Hawkins says, Do you know if it's possible to stand closer to a winning trainer than a certain journalist does when they're being interviewed on TV? The answer is, John, it is not possible to stand closer unless he climbed up inside him and fell asleep. Actually, but for every single day that passes, you're looking more like him, you. Yeah. <laughs> all, you, all you need is a cravat. That's not a bad challenge. Thanks for that, uh, TC. The uh, Fighting 50 mention takes place at Newcastle. Uh, Epitant is your four to five favourite uh, currency of Betfair at the moment. Montmirail, three to one. You've got So Royal, five to one. Silver Streak, sevens. And it's 12 to one. Bar uh, Epitant, I think she goes and wins again. Being my nap for the weekend. Can the fasc- I'll be writing about that later. But the fascinating thing about last year, all the protagonists from the first hurdle from last year are there. Not so sleepy, 
<laughs> ran out, took yeah. Silver Streak out, and they're, they're two of the seven in there again. And Epiton won the race, beating Sandroyal. So and Epiton such a short favourite. Why, Tony? Because of a certain Newbury Gallops day where your man oh, was on God. there banging on about one of them. Yeah, I, I, I must admit, she looked she looked very good over four furlongs. I must admit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in a trot. Yeah, we know, we, yeah. we know how trot. angry we know how angry Hugh Cattle gets about Nicky Henderson work reports stuff. So uh, we're looking forward to that next Friday. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah but Epiton's four to five, so his ears are pricked up. Every, every time I get angry over Nicky Henderson work reports at home I have to go and have six points is any wonder I'm an alcoholic lad <laughs> pleasure as always thank you so much for all the questions I know we went over our usual 45 but we wanted to get all your questions in because that's the kind of podcast that we are it's all about the listeners we'll talk to you on Friday racing only better fighting fifth to talk about Epitone goes and wins until then take it easy <laughs>